1: Hello, 1001 fans. Our regular show will air next week here at 1001 Heroes. Right now, we have a very special holiday presentation for you that you can enjoy during your travels here in the holiday season. One of America's favorite old-time movies to watch over Thanksgiving and Christmas is A Wonderful Life, which was produced by Frank Capra and starred Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. And it's one of those heartwarming stories that reminds us that no matter how tough life gets, there's always a community of better angels out there to help you. Today, you might be traveling, or stationed overseas, or feeling alone, or missing a loved one, or you might be looking at your life and wondering if it really matters to anyone. This movie reminds you that each of us matter, whether you realize it or not. It used to be that if you missed a movie at the theater, that was the only chance you had to see it. There was no internet, no DVD rentals, and no TV. So some people with connections to Hollywood got together and created Lux Radio Theater, which was a huge hit, because now people could enjoy great movies acted out on stage for radio audiences, and many times they used the same cast as the movie. A Wonderful Life is no exception, as it stars Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, both of whom starred in the movie. These were two of the most loved movie stars of the 40s and 50s. This is one of the best radio plays I've ever heard, and I'm a big fan of old-time radio. That's why I started the podcast 1001 Radio Days. Before we start, I have a second surprise for you. Three years ago, I had the wonderful opportunity to interview one of the actors who appeared in that movie. Her name is Carolyn Grimes, and she played Jimmy Stewart's daughter Zazu in the movie. And she was the one who said those famous lines at the end of the movie. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. She is a real class act. And she shared some memories from the movie, as well as a very important message for all of you. That interview plays at the end of this episode. That interview is probably my favorite of all the ones we've done here. It's time for A Wonderful Life.
2: Lux
3: presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring James Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore in It's a Wonderful Life. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr.
4: William Keeley. Reading from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we bring you one of the season's most inspiring hits. A Liberty Films production that's been nominated for the highest screen award. Yes, it's a wonderful life. And we present it now with its original fine stars, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. Jimmy in the role which won him a nomination for the best performance of the year. Also in our cast is starred that fine comedian, Victor Moore. It's a Wonderful Life is the drama of a typical American. Might be you, it might be me. He dreams of glory, he lives in hope, he loves and doubts, uh, and only providence puts a final value on his service to humanity. Our story starts before the war, when life was normal. Shortages were generally unknown, and simple luxuries like lux soap were abundant. I won't say that's the only reason people said it's a wonderful life but I do know from the thousands of letters in our files that most of them said, it's a wonderful soap. And they keep right on saying it day after day. In fact, the popularity of Lux soap is what makes it possible to present such entertainment as Frank Capra's great production, It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart as George, Donna Reed as Mary Hatch, and Victor Moore as Clarence. This is the story of George Bailey, citizen of Bedford Falls, New York. George Bailey, who more than anything under the sun, wanted to see the world. The wonderful, exciting world that lay somewhere beyond the limits of his hometown. Oddly enough, this story does not begin in Bedford Falls. In fact, it doesn't begin anywhere in the world. It begins in heaven where the superintendent of angels has just summoned an apprentice angel named Clarence.
5: Oh, I'm really going down to earth, sir?
6: Oh, how
4: splendid.
6: Yes, there's a very discouraged man down there, Clarence, George Bailey. At exactly 10.45 p.m. earth time, he'll be thinking seriously of ending his life. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Now, I want you to stop him if you can. Now, sit down, sit down. I'll give you Bailey's case history.
5: Sir, if, uh, if I should accomplish my mission, may I perhaps get my wings? I've been waiting over 200 years now, and, well, people are beginning to talk.
6: Clarence, what's that book?
5: The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, sir. I was reading it when you sent for me. Oh,
6: fine book. Excellent. Well, you do a good job on George Bailey, and we'll see about your wing. Oh, thank you, sir. Now, listen. When George Bailey was a boy, two events occurred that you should keep in mind. One was when his young brother, Harry, fell through the ice and almost drowned. George saved him. Brother fell
5: through the ice. George saved him.
6: Ever since, George's had a bad ear. All that icy water, uh, you understand. Yeah, bad ear, yes, sir. The other event came a few months later. George used to work after school in Mr. Gower's drugstore. One day, Mr. Gower's only son died of influenza. It was a terrible blow, and poor Mr. Gower tried to lose his grief in whiskey.
2: Don't hurt my Zoya again, Mr. Please. Gower. Oh, George, That's why I didn't deliver, Mr. Gower. All I wanted was to make sure... George,
6: George. Well, Clarence, that was George Bailey as a boy. When he grew up, he wanted to go to college, but there just wasn't the money. So he worked four years in the Building and Loan Association.
5: Building and Loan Association?
6: Oh, I forgot to tell you. George's father was in the building and loan business. He and George's uncle, Billy. High ideals and low bank account. Anyway, George worked for his father and saved enough to see him through the university. That summer, though, he was going to Europe. Got a job on a cattle boat. Do a little traveling before a cut.
7: Boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's hard to realize it. My last night in the Bailey boarding house. We're
8: sure going to miss you, George.
7: I'm going to miss you too, Pop. Hey, what's the matter? You look tired.
8: Oh, I had another tussle with old Henry Potter today. Well,
7: I thought when you put him on the board of directors, he'd ease up.
8: Oh, so did I.
7: I just can't understand a man like Mr. Potter. He can't
8: begin to spend all the money I he guess Potter owns about everything he wants in Bedford Falls, except our building and loan. That's why he hates us. Hey, George, can I borrow your tuxedo studs? Yeah,
7: help yourself, Harry. Well, where are they in your suitcase? Uh, I'm not taking a tuxedo on a cattle boat you know hey, say where'd you get that suitcase anyway oh uh, mr gower going away present and one of these days you're gonna see that bag all covered with travel labels italy and baghdad samarcan could have a pretty full summer eh? i'm gonna have a pretty full life hey why don't you come to
8: the dance tonight
7: Why? i'd be bored to dance well you couldn't want a better death lots of pretty girls hey i gotta hurry
8: i wish we could send harry to college with you George. oh
7: we've got that all figured out now pop He'll take over my job at the building and loan and work four years like I did, and then he'll go. Well,
8: he's pretty young for that job. Well, no younger than I was. <laughs> Maybe you were born older, George. Huh? George, when you get out of college, I don't suppose you'd come back to the building and loan. Oh, no, oh, now, Pop, I, 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 I just
7: couldn't. I, I couldn't face being cooped up the rest of my life in a shabby little office. I, I, oh, I I'm sorry, Pop, now I... I didn't mean that, but it's just this business of nickels and dimes. I'd go crazy. I I want to do something big, something important.
8: In a small way, we are doing something important, George. In that shabby little office, we help people figure out how they can own their own homes. I know,
7: I know, Pop. I I just wish I felt that I... I, I, But I I just feel like if I didn't get away, I'd bust.
8: (laughs) You're right, boy. You get yourself an education, then get out of here. Oh, Pop, you... Pop, you want a shock? I think you're a pretty great guy. Well, thanks, George. I'm glad to hear it. Look, um, why don't you go on over to Harry's dance? You'd have a good time. Well, I don't know. Maybe it will drop in.
7: Yeah, maybe it will at that.
5: So George Bailey went to a dance. Is that important, Joseph? Why, it
6: was at the dance he met Mary Hatch. Oh. And three hours later, he was walking her home. George and Mary were feeling pretty good, Clarence. As a matter of fact,
9: wonderful.
2: Buffalo girl, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo girl, can't you come out tonight? And dance
7: by the light of the moon. Oh, hot dog, oh boy, Beautiful. just like an organ.
2: At Gee, least.
7: <laughs> hey, you know, you know something? If it wasn't me talking, I'd say you were the prettiest girl in town.
9: Well, why don't you say it?
7: Well, I don't know. Maybe I will. Hey, how old are you, anyway?
9: Eighteen. Eighteen? Too young or too old?
7: No, no, no. It's just right. It sort of fits you. Hey, hey, look where we are.
9: Hmm? Oh, the old Granville house. Yeah,
7: I got to throw a rock.
9: Oh, no, Jonah. I-, I love that old house.
7: Well, no. Don't you know about deserted houses? You, you make a wish and then throw a rock.
9: George, but it was well, such a lovely old place. I wish I lived there.
7: In there? I wouldn't live in it as a ghost. Now, watch. What's this. Here we go. How about it, huh? Pretty good shot, huh? Broke a window, huh?
9: <laughs> What'd you wish, George?
7: Oh, I don't know. Not just one wish, a whole hatful. Mary, I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm gonna see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. And then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields and skyscrapers a hundred stories high and bridges a mile long. And then I'm going gonna... to... Hey. Hey, Mary. What is it you want? What do you want, huh? You want the moon? All you got to do, is just say the word now. Okay.
9: The moon, I'll take it. Then what?
7: Then what? Well, well then you could swallow it. And, and it'd dissolve like an aspirin, you know and the moonbeams that shoot out of your fingers and the ends of your hair, and the, the uh... You, you think I'm talking too much?
5: Yes, why don't you kiss her instead of talking
7: to her, How's that?
5: Uh, youth is wasted on the wrong people.
7: Why? Well, hey, just a minute, mister. Hey, you come back here. I'll show you some kissing George, if you want to... George! Hey, Uncle Billy, look here. I'm going to kiss Mary. Watch. George, get in the car quick. Your father's had a stroke. What? What? George, had... get in, hurry. <laughs>
6: Well, George's father died that night, Clarence. So, of course, George couldn't go to Europe. But that fall, just as he was ready to leave for college, the directors of the building and loan had a meeting. They were going to appoint a successor to Mr. Bailey.
8: What was that you said, Mr. Potter?
6: I said as long as Peter Bailey's dead, let's dissolve the building and loan. We don't need it.
8: Now, wait a minute.
6: Oh, you wait a minute. Peter Bailey was not a businessman. Ideals without common sense can ruin a town. What do we get? A discontented, lazy rabble instead of a thrifty working class.
7: Oh, hold on, Mr. Potter. Oh, on, I meant no
6: disrespect, George, but...
7: Oh, wait a minute there. Why my father ever started this cheap penny-ante building alone, I'll never know. But just remember this, Mr. Potter, this rabble you're talking about. They do most of the working and the paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him. But to you, a warped,
6: frustrated old man, they're cattle.
7: Well, in my book, Mr. Potter, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be.
6: I'm not interested in your book, George. I'm talking about the building and lawn. You're
7: talking about something you can't get your fingers on that's galling. That's what you're talking about. Well, this town needs this measly one-horse institution if only to have some place where people can borrow a few dollars without crawling to you. Now, come on, Uncle Billy. George? Yeah, all we heard was a lot of yelling. Boy, oh, boy, you should have heard, George. Yeah, they're in there voting us out of business.
9: Oh, who cares? I can get another job. I'm only 41.
7: 45. Well, you get out of here, George. You missed your boat trip. Do you want to miss college, too? (laughs) George, we've just voted Potter down. We're still in business.
4: Whoopee! We're still
8: in business! We're still in business! But there's
7: one condition, George. They've appointed you to take your father's place. Appoint me? But I'm going to college. Look, this is my last chance. Uncle Billy's your man. Uh, George, you've got to take it. They'll vote with Potter otherwise.
2: They said so. They even
5: I know. George Bailey didn't go to college.
6: That's right, Terrence. He gave his, his college money to Harry. Harry went instead. But what happened to that good-looking girl? You know, Mary. Oh, George saw her now and then. Not very often, though, because Mary went away to school, too. Anyway, George waited four years more for Harry to come back and take over the building and loan. He could still see the world. He planned to work in the oil fields, Venezuela. Except when Harry came home, he wasn't alone. There was a girl with him, his wife.
0: George?
7: Yeah, I'm out here on the porch, Mother. I just thought I'd get some air.
0: Well, how, how do you like your new sister-in-law?
7: Oh, she's swell.
0: Looks like she can keep Harry on his toes.
7: Yeah, yeah, and keep him out of Bedford Falls, anyway.
0: What do you mean?
7: Well, Ruth's father, she's he's got a wonderful job for Harry up in Buffalo.
0: Buffalo? Well, that means you
7: yeah. you can't... Yeah.
0: George, uh, did you know Mary Hatch is back from school?
8: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice girl, Mary.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh,
8: stop grunting
2: mm-hmm.
0: Give me
7: one good reason why you shouldn't call on Mary Well, Sam Wainwright, Sam's crazy about Mary Well, she's not crazy about him Well, now, how do you know that? Did she discuss it with you? How do you...
4: Besides, Sam's away
0: in New York
7: Oh, and all's fair in love and war uh-huh, I see Okay, Mother, I think I'll go out and find that girl And do a little passionate necking Oh, George <laughs> Goodbye, Miss Bailey By the way, do you want any books at the
2: library?
9: Library? George! George, you go and see Mary. Do you hear? George, is that you out there?
7: Oh, Oh, hello, Mary.
9: Well, are you coming in?
7: I just happened to be passing by here.
9: Oh, I thought you were picketing. Have you made up your mind? How's that? Have you made up your mind? About what? About coming in. Your mother just phoned. She said you were coming over.
7: My mother just phoned? What does she mean, Called? I just happened to be passing by, that's all. I didn't... Well? Well, I, right, I'll come in for a minute, but I, I didn't tell anybody I was coming here. You, you thought I can't go out for a walk nowadays without you. When did you, when'd you get back? Tuesday. Yeah. When would you get that dress?
9: Do you like
7: it? It's all right.
9: Well, no point standing here on the porch
7: Come on in I, I still can't understand it I didn't tell anybody I was coming here, you yeah. know. Would you rather leave? Well, no, I don't want to be rude I Sit down for a while
9: It's nice about your brother and Ruth, isn't it?
7: Yeah, 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 that's all right
9: Don't you like her? Well,
7: of course I like her She's a peach
9: Oh, just marriage in general You're not enthusiastic about, hmm? No,
7: no Marriage is all right for a lot of people It's all right for Harry Sam Wainwright and you.
9: For Sam. Mary? It's George Bailey, Mother. What's he want? I don't know. What do you want?
7: Me? <laughs> I, not a thing. Not a thing. And I, I just came in to get warm.
9: He's making violent love to me, Mother. You just tell him to go right back home. Sam said he'd call you tonight from New York, didn't he? I guess so. How about some music? Sam?
7: Mary!
3: Gee,
9: it's good to hear your voice. How are you,
7: Sam? I forgot my hat.
9: Hee-haw. What? Oh, I I was just talking to an old friend of yours, George Bailey. Old
7: Mossback George?
9: Old Mossback George.
7: Well, put him on. I'll talk to him, too. Wait a second. George! He doesn't want to speak to George.
9: He does so. He asked for him. Why'd you call
7: me? Because if you're... I'm in a hurry. I
9: got... Sam wants to talk to you.
7: Oh. Oh. Hiya, Sam.
9: George.
7: Now you listen to me, Mary. I don't want any plastics, and I don't want any job, and I don't want to get married ever to anyone. Do you understand that?
2: I want to do what I want to do, and and you're not gonna trick me. And you're Mary. George. Mary. Oh, Mary, darling.
7: I, I love you, Mary.
5: Well, well, so George. Bailey and Mary Hatch were...
6: Yes, George and Mary were married. Mm. And they started off on their honeymoon in Ernie Bishop's taxicab.
8: Hey, where are you two going on this here now honeymoon? We're going to shoot the works,
7: Ernie. A whole week in New York, a whole week in Bermuda, the highest hotel, the oldest champagne, the hottest music, and the prettiest wave. <laughs> so you're finally getting out of Bedford Falls, huh? Eh? Then what? Then what, honey?
10: After that, who cares? That
7: does it. Hey, you know, Mrs. Bailey, I haven't kissed you. Hey, since George, I'm... there's something funny going on over there. Look, look over there at the bank. It looks huh? like a run. All right, pull over a minute, will you, Ernie?
9: George, let's not stop. Please, let's go straight to the station. No, wait a station. minute. Well,
7: uh, i let see what it is I'll be right back
9: George, please
4: George! In a few moments We'll return with the second act Of It's a Wonderful Life Starring James Stewart Donna Reed And Victor Moore Meanwhile Here's our Hollywood reporter Libby Collins Looking very smart to me, I say
0: Well, thank you, Mr. Keeley You know, after seeing Paulette Goddard's wardrobe for Paramount's new comedy, Suddenly at Spring, I just had to rush out and buy something new. Looking at all those lovely clothes was just too much for my self control.
4: Well, you look stunning, Libby.
0: Oh, thank you again, Mr. Keeley. Now
4: tell me about the picture. I understand that Paulette's portrayal of an ex whack is truly delightful.
0: Oh, yes, it is. And Fred McMurray gives a perfect characterization of her wayward husband. Between the two of them, Suddenly at Spring is a high spirited comedy with emphasis on the romantic side.
4: Well, naturally.
0: (laughs) But really, Mr. Keeley, that wardrobe of Miss Goddard certainly will make clothes-conscious girls sit up and take notice. I'll bet you think so, too, Mr. Kennedy.
3: Well, Libby, men seldom know much about styles. What I notice about a dress is the general effect when a woman wears it. Some girls always seem to have that right-on-the-beam look. You know what I mean.
0: (laughs) Well, I think what you have in mind, Mr. Kennedy, is good grooming. Screen stars certainly put great emphasis on it. A perfect hairdo, fresh, beautifully cared-for skin. Those are essentials.
3: That must be the reason Lux Toilet Soap continues to be a studio standby, no matter how often other styles change.
0: Well, that's what Miss Goddard told me. She says her beauty facials are so quick and easy and work so well. She's never without a supply of Lux Toilet Soap. I can depend on it for daily complexion care, she said.
3: I wish you'd tell the ladies in our audience how easy these Lux Soap facials are, Libby.
0: Well, here's what Paulette Goddard does. She says, I cover my face with a fragrant Lux soap lather and work it well in. I rinse with warm water, then cold, and use a soft towel to pat my skin dry. Give skin quick new beauty, she says.
3: Daily Lux soap facials do make skin lovelier. Recent tests by skin specialists proved it. In, in three out of four cases, complexions became softer and smoother in, in just a short time.
0: A lovely Lux complexion makes a woman so attractive... I wish every girl who hasn't tried Luxe Toilet Soap would begin using it tomorrow.
3: That sounds advice, Libby. When nine out of ten screen stars recommend a beauty soap, you know it has to be good. So why not try Lux Toilet Soap, Hollywood's own complexion soap? We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
4: of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart as George, Donna Reed as Mary, and Victor Moore as Clarence. Well, we're back in heaven again, where the superintendent of angels is reviewing the case history of a mortal named George Bailey. Clarence, the apprentice angel, is very eager to depart on his mission to the earth.
5: Poor George Bailey. Oh, he's certainly in desperate trouble, Joseph. I'll go to him at once.
6: Now, you sit down, Clarence, sit down. We're nowhere near the point where George Bailey's thinking of taking his life.
5: We're not?
6: Now, uh, where were we? Uh, Oh, yes, yes. George and Mary had just started out on their honeymoon when they ran smack into the financial panic of 1932. In the waiting room of the building and loan, a hundred frantic people were clamoring for their savings. Hey, what's going on, Uncle Billy? What's happened all those people out there?
5: This is a pickle, George. All I know is the bank called our loan an hour ago. I had to hand
7: over all our cash. Holy mackerel. The whole town's gone crazy. Bank's in the same spot we are. Our charter, too. What about our charter? Our charter says we have to stay open until 6 p.m. The state can take away our license if we don't. How can we stay open till 6 without any money? George, where are you going? i have to talk to those people. Come on. Now, <laughs>
2: uh, please.
7: Uh, please, folks. Now, uh, just a minute. You'll get your money in 60 days. 60 days? Well, now, look, that's what you, that's what you agreed on when you bought your shares. I got my money! Well, that, well, that old, that old man Potter's taking over the bank. He'll pay you 50 cents on every dollar. Then let's take our shares to Potter. Half is better than nothing. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Please, folks, I beg of you not to do this. If Potter gets hold of your shares, you will be owning this building and loan and... He's got the bank, he's got the bus line, he's got the department stores, and now he's after us because he wants to keep you living in his shacks and paying the kind of rent he decides to charge. Now, we can get through this thing, all right, but we've got to stick together. We've got to have faith in each other. My husband's
9: out of work. We need money. I've got
3: doctor bills to pay.
9: I can't feed my kids on things. How much
2: do you need? we still got some
9: money. Hey, Mary. Here it is, George. You told to to hold on to it. Would have made a nice honeymoon. we got furniture, too.
7: Hey, now, wait a minute, folks. Listen. I've got $2,000. All right, Charlie, how much do you need? 240 dollars well, whose home is that? What? Well, Mary, how can I... Well, sure, all right, sure, I'll, I'll
6: be there. Clarence, guess what 323 Sycamore was? His mother-in-law's house, huh? Oh, no. Number 323 Sycamore was the old Granville house, the one George threw rocks at and made wishes. Yes, sir, that's where they spent their honeymoon. That's where they started housekeeping. They were still living there two years later when old man Potter asked George to stop over at his office. Sit down, George, sit down, do. Uh, have a cigar Well, wow. thank you, sir uh, George, you're a young man Married, making, say, $40 a week at the building and loan 45 uh, 45 Now, if you were some ordinary yokel, I'd say you were doing fine But George Bailey is intelligent, ambitious He hates the building and loan almost as much as I do He's been dying to get out of town ever since he was born, but he's trapped Trapped into frittering his life away, playing nursemaid to a lot of garlic eaters. Do I paint a correct picture, George, or do I exaggerate?
7: Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter?
6: My point is that you're the only man in town who has licked me. George, I want to hire you. Manage my affairs. I'll start you off at $20,000 a year. $20,000
7: a year? Are you sure you're talking to me? I'm George Bailey. Don't you remember me? The building and loan, remember?
6: Yes, George Bailey, whose ship has just come in, providing he has sense enough to climb aboard. Well, but, but what about the building and loan? Confounded, man, I'm offering you a three-year contract at $20,000 a year. Is it a deal or isn't it? No, no,
7: the answer's no, doggone it. If you offered me a million dollars to stay around this town and play stooge to you, the answer would still be no. Now, let me alone. Don't bother Don't (laughs) bother me.
9: George, what did Mr. Potter want?
7: Oh, it was nothing. He just talked, talked. It's nothing.
2: Oh, gee.
7: Mary Hatch. Mary, why in the world did you ever marry a guy like me anyway?
9: <laughs> to keep from being an old maid.
7: I was going to see the world, I was going to build things, I was going to give you the moon. Mary, you mean you're on the nest?
6: Well, Mary had a baby, turns, a boy. You don't say. Then she had another one, a girl.
5: Well, what do you know?
6: Night after night, George had come home late from the office. Things weren't good with the building alone. Potter was really bearing down on him. Then came the war.
7: Hey, uh, Telly, get the books from Mr. Carter. You You know, that's my brother's picture there, Mr. Carter. He shot down 15 planes, and one of them was just about... Well, well, Mr. Henry F. Potter come to the bank to deposit some more loot, eh? Sure, you
5: old fool. How do you like the news in the paper, Mr. Potter? Just can't keep those Bailey boys down now, can you? Oh,
6: let me see that newspaper.
5: Here, sorry I can't chat, you old thief. Gotta make a deposit. Yeah, here you are, Horace. Deposit slip, bank book, and a
4: very Merry Christmas to you. You too, Mr. Bailey.
7: I can't think anymore. I I can't. Where's that money, you silly old fool? You know what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not gonna be me. Now get out of my way. I'm going home.
9: George, dear, what's wrong? You haven't said a word since you came home. Oh,
7: well, that banging on that piano, does she have to just keep playing that same piece over and over and over and over again?
9: What is it, dear? Another hectic day.
7: Yeah. Yeah, another red-letter day for the baby. Dad,
9: babies. Murphy's got a brand-new car. You should see it.
7: What's the matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you?
9: I'm sorry, Dad. I only Run upstairs, Petey. See if Zuzu's all right. Okay,
7: Mom. Now, what do you mean? Let's see if Zuzu's all right. What do you mean? Oh,
9: she caught a little cold coming home from school. She didn't button up her coat. Well,
7: what is it? What is? What do you mean, just a cold?
9: Hey, George, the doctor said it was nothing serious. The doctor?
7: Was the doctor here?
9: Well, I thought he'd better look at her. It's
7: this old drafty house it's no wonder we don't all have pneumonia. We might as well be living in a refrigerator. Why do we have to live here in the first place and stay around this measly, crummy old town?
9: George, what's happened?
7: Everything's happened. You call this a happy family? Why do we have to have all these kids?
9: Daddy, how do you spell Frankenstein? I don't
7: know how you spell. Why you ask your mother? Where are you going? Upstairs to see Zuzu.
9: Hello? Oh, thank you, Mrs. Welch. I'm sure she'll be all right. Who's that? Uh, Zuzu schoolteacher. teacher. What? Oh, yes, the doctor says she'll be fine tomorrow. Here, give me that phone. George, please.
7: Mrs. Welsh? Well, this is Mr. Bailey. Say, what kind of a teacher are you, anyway? What do you mean, sending Zuzu home like that, half naked? Do you realize you'll probably end up with pneumonia just because of your stupidity? You know, maybe my kids aren't the best-dressed kids in town, but at least... Hello? Hello? Ah! Janie, will you stop playing that lousy piano? I'll cut it. I'll stop it.
9: George, for heaven's sake, what's wrong with you?
7: I'm sorry, I'm... Janie, I'm sorry. Mary, I've just got to get out of here.
6: That's it, George. You're short $8,000 in your account, sir. Oh, please,
7: Mr. Potter, I'll, I'll pay any sort of a bonus. If you still want the building and loan, I... You say it I'll was let...
6: lost. Have you notified the police?
7: No, sir, I haven't done that yet. Harry's home... Oh, why come to and... me?
6: What about your good friend, Sam Wainwright? I can't get a hold of
7: him. He's in Europe.
6: What kind of security would I have, George? What collateral?
7: Yes, sir, I have some life insurance here. $15,000 policy.
6: Hmm. What's your equity in it?
7: $500.
6: And you want $8,000? You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. Well, what are you but a warped, frustrated young man crawling on your hands and knees for help? Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so well? Ask them for help.
7: I'll do anything, Mr. Potter, please. Please help me, um, My wife and kids... I'm do, calling the district
6: it. attorney. $500. You know something, George? You're worth more dead than you are alive. Now get out of here. Get Get out. All the time, Potter had the $8,000 in his desk drawer. It's still there, Clarence. But
5: where's George, sir? Where?
6: Well, he went over to Martini's Cafe. He's had a couple of drinks, Clarence. He's just standing there, sort of in a day.
7: Oh, God.
2: Oh, God, dear Father in Heaven,
7: I'm not a praying man, but if, if you're up there... And, and you can hear me. Please show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. I... Show me the way to God. Mr.
6: Bailey, you all right? Don't drink any more, Mr. Bailey. Please, you don't feel good.
8: Bailey? Did you say Bailey? Which Bailey?
6: This gentleman is Mr. Bailey, George Bailey.
8: George Bailey, huh? And the next time you talk to my wife like that, she'll get worse. It isn't enough, she slaves teaching your stupid kids how to read and write. you got to follow up. You about. get out of here, Mr. Welch. You hit my best friend. Get out.
4: All right, I'm All
6: right. Mr. Bailey, you, you okay? Who's that? Mr. Welch, but don't worry. He do not come in this place no more. I'll get something for your face. It's bleeding. I'm all
2: right. But please don't go away, Mr. Alone. Bailey. Please don't go alone.
6: away. Well, George left Martini's Cafe five minutes ago, Clarence. He's at the river now, on the bridge. Looking at the water. Are you ready, Clarence? All ready, sir. Very well. Save George Bailey's life and you'll get your wings.
5: My wings. Oh, thank you, Joseph. George! George Bailey! Get away from that bridge! You hear me? George! George!
4: In just a moment, we'll bring you Act Three of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. The popular theory about beautiful blondes is that they're content to be merely decorative. Our lovely guest tonight, Miss Susan Blanchard, completely disproves that idea. Besides being a hard-working Fox starlet, Susan, I understand you're a wonderful cook.
10: I really love housekeeping, Mr. Keeley, but most of all, I enjoy the training I get at the studio. It's work but it's fun, too.
4: You're an Easterner, aren't you, Susan?
10: Yes, a native New Yorker. Mm, I thought so. It was the Broadway theater that inspired me to think of show business as a career. Well, that's interesting. I used to save my allowance and go to every play I could. One of my favorite actresses was Jane Wyatt. Oh. Uh-huh. Imagine, Mr. Keeley, what a thrill it was for me to meet her right here in Hollywood.
4: Jane Wyatt's latest picture, Boomerang, was made in the East, I understand.
10: Mm-hmm, yes. But she and Dana Andrews, who stars in Boomerang with her... We're in Hollywood to see a studio showing of the picture. Oh, I see. Jane Wyatt is my ideal of a stage and screen star. So talented and so lovely to look at. Just as lovely in real life, too. She is indeed. It wasn't long before I discovered that she's as keen about Lux toilet soap for beauty care as I am. You know, I'm a Lux girl, too.
3: We're glad to hear you say that, Miss Blanchard, because that's a very beautiful Lux complexion I see before me just right for blue eyes and ash blonde hair.
10: Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. Any girl in pictures is delighted to find out about Lux Toilet Soap as a beauty care. Active lather facials are so quick and easy, and they really make a difference in your skin.
3: Thousands of busy, attractive women have discovered that, Miss Blanchard. Daily Lux Soap Complexion Care does make skin lovelier. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the choice of nine out of ten screen stars.
10: Lux Toilet Soap is all around beauty care for me. I use it as a bath soap, too. It has such a delightful perfume, leaves a lovely fragrance on the skin.
3: Thank you, Miss Susan Blanchard. I hope our audience will be seeing that lovely luxe complexion of yours in a screen close-up one of these days. Now, back to our producer, William Keeley.
4: Act three of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. Number. <laughs> George and Clarence are drying off.
8: You both sure you're all right? You you want a doctor? No, I'm all, right. I'm all right. Oh, I'm
5: fine. This underwear. I didn't have time to get anything more stylish. My wife gave me this on my last birthday. I passed away and you you what, Mister? Mm. I see. Tom Sawyer is drying out too. Who? My book.
8: Very your pretty. your lips bleeding
7: Yeah, yeah, I got a bust in the jaw In answer to a prayer <laughs> Oh, no, George, I'm the answer to your prayer Hey, how do you know my name? Oh, I know all about you Well, who are you supposed to be, anyway? Clarence Oddbody, AS2 Clarence Oddbody what, what's, that, what's the AS2 for? Angel, second class
8: <laughs> Hey, I'm getting out of here you may not need a doctor, but I do. Here you are, my good man. Hey, look here. Why,
7: why'd you want to save me? Because I'm your guardian angel, George. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Well, you look like about the kind of an angel I'd get. What What? <laughs> uh, what happened to your wings? But, well, I haven't won my wings yet.
5: That's why I'm an angel, second class. Oh, I see. But you can help me earn them, George, by... Letting me help you. Oh, I uh, don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you, do you? Oh, no, no, we, we don't use money in heaven. Oh, that's right.
7: Yeah, I keep forgetting. Oh, I Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. <laughs> okay. Oh, cat, cat, cat. Of course, I found it out a little late. You know, I'm worth more dead than alive. You mustn't talk like that.
5: Joseph will never give me my wings if you keep feeling that way. You just don't realize what you've done for your folks.
7: Why, well, if it hadn't been for you. Yes, if it hadn't been time. for me, everybody'd be better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. Oh, this is not going to be easy. And I'll be better off if I hadn't been born. What did you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. George, that's wonderful. It's wonderful, what?
5: The idea you just gave me. Well, you got your wish. You've never been born. I've never been born. Exactly. No worries, no $8,000 to get, nothing. You simply don't
7: exist. All right, all right, okay, all right.
5: George, I can do things, strange things. I can show you the world, George, the way it would be if you hadn't been born.
7: Hey, wait, hey, wait a minute, this ear of mine. Hey, say something else in that bad ear. You don't have a
5: bad ear anymore. Oh, I don't think you're concentrating. Oh. Don't you see? You're not the George Bailey you think you are. You're well, uh, you're
7: nobody. Oh, that's the doggonest thing I ever saw, that that ear. Your lips
5: stopped bleeding,
7: too. Yeah. Yeah, hey, hey what's, what's happening around here? What is this, anyway? I need a drink. That's what I need. What, what about you, Angel? You want a drink? Well, I, I don't quite know. Come on, I... come on. We'll go as soon as our clothes are dry. Our clothes are dry, George. Hey, that's, so they are. That's funny. Well, look... Let's get dressed and we'll stroll over to Martinis and then. Uh, oh, excuse me. I mean, I'll stroll. You fly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I don't have. You my don't wings. have your wings. Yeah, out. No, that's I, right. I forgot that. I can. Couple of drinks and we'll both fly,
2: huh?
7: What'll you have, fellas? Hey, where's the boss? Where's Martini?
3: Luckwise, guy, I'm the boss, see? Okay, well, double scotch, quick, will you? What's yours?
7: You know
5: what? I just love some mulled wine. Huh? Heavy on the cinnamon and light on the cloves. Off with you, my lad, and lively now.
7: Now, cut it out. Oh, come on, here. Just give him the same as I ordered. He's okay. Uh, yeah. Two double scotch. What about this place? It's all changed.
5: All of Bedford Falls has changed. You're having your wish, George. You've never been born. Oh, there'll be lots of things you've never seen before. (laughs) Oh, good. Somebody just made it. Made what? Every time a bell rings, it means some angel's got his wings.
7: What'd you say? Uh, look, uh, Clarence, I don't think you better talk about angels around here. Don't they believe in angels? Oh, yeah, they believe in them, but, you know, it's just a little thing. Well, then why should people be surprised when they see one? Uh, Don't mind him, bartender. He's just a little fellow. He just never grew up, and... How old are you anyway, Clarence?
5: Well, next May, I'll be 293.
7: That does it. A couple of pixies, huh? Go on, get you. Hear me, get. Hey, where's Martini? Will you Stop tell me? asking about Martini. I ain't here he... any. Hey, yo, Rummy. Didn't I tell you never to come panhandling around here? George, look. Hey, it's Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower. Listen, Mr. Gower, don't you know me? This is George Bailey. You. Yeah. You buy me a drink, mister? Just one drink, will you, mister? Pinky! Yeah, Nick?
6: Throw the rummy
7: out! Oh, no, no, please... Hey, bartender, that's, that's Mr. Gower, the
6: druggist! That rumhead spent 20 years in jail for poisoning some kid!
7: If you knew him, you must be a jailbird yourself! Pinky, here's two more! Get him
5: out of here! Well, get up, George. Good thing he threw us in the snowbank, huh? Where's, where's Mr. Gower? Mr. Gower doesn't know you, George. You see, you weren't there to stop him from putting poison into that prescription. What do you mean
7: I wasn't there? Look... Come on, step on it, will you, Ernie? Get me home. I'm off my nut. Where do you live, buddy? Oh, now, doggone it, Ernie. Don't you start pulling that stuff on me. 323 Sycamore. 323 Sycamore. Yeah, hurry. up will put a Zuzu's sick. Okay, buddy. Hey, look, Ernie. I, I don't know what's happening. I'm going crazy or something. I got some bad liquor. I, now, look. Tell me this now. You're Ernie Bishop, right? And you live with your wife and kid down you on... see my wife? What do you mean? I've seen your wife. I've been in your house a hundred times. What do you... We, we built it for you, didn't we? But my wife took the kid and ran away five years ago, and I ain't never seen you before in my life, see? Okay, Ernie. Okay. Okay. Just step on it. Get me home. Mary! Mary, where are you? Janie, Petey, Zuzu. Zuzu, where are you?
5: This is just an old abandoned house, George. You have no wife. Where'd they go, Ernie? Where'd they go? I, I, I don't know. They just
8: disappeared.
6: Clarence.
5: Oh, Joseph, I hope you don't mind my calling on you like I did.
6: Well, it was very irregular, Clarence. You're by yourself again. Where's George?
5: He's at his mother's house, sir.
6: Well, if George hasn't been born, he has no mother.
5: Oh, he's being very stubborn, sir. He'll just have to find these things out for himself. But
6: his mother—that's a terribly bitter blow to a man. His old mother not knowing him.
5: You mean I shouldn't have let him? I mean you
6: better find him right away. Oh, and stop fighting, policemen, Clarence.
7: I'm here again, George. My mother, my own mother, didn't know me. If only Harry were here. If my brother were only back from Washington. Your brother fell through the ice and was drowned at the age
5: of nine.
7: Well, that's a lie. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport.
5: Every man on that transport died. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. Don't you see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence? Yes?
7: Where's Mary? Please, where's my wife? I, uh, I'm not supposed to tell. Tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? I'll choke it out of you if I have to. Where's my wife? The
5: library. She works there. She's just about to lock up for the night. So I, uh... George! George! Come back. Oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings.
7: Mary. Mary.
9: I'm sorry. The library's closed. Mary,
7: it's George. Don't you know me?
9: No, I don't know you. Let me go. Mary,
7: please, don't do this to me, Mary. Please, help me. Help me. Where, where are our kids, Mary? I need you, Mary. Get please. Get away from me. Help. Help. Help me, help me Mary. I'm George. Mary. <coughs>
5: Clarence. Oh, where is he, Joseph? Where's George? I'm afraid I've lost him, sir. You knew you shouldn't have let him
6: try to see Mary.
8: Now they're after him, a mob.
6: They think he was trying to hurt her.
5: Joseph, I won't even get one wing, will
6: I? You have one more chance, Clarence. Get over to the bridge by the river. I think George has seen just about enough. But the the mob. Don't worry. They've lost him, too. Now hurry up. Oh, thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Clarence.
2: Clarence! Clarence, where are you?
7: I'm here, George. Help me, Clarence. Get me back. I don't care what happens to me. Only get me back to my wife and kids, please. I want to live again.
5: Oh, thank you, George.
7: Thank you, boy. I want to live again, please. Oh, God, please let me live again. George? Is that you down there, George? Now get out of here, Bert. Get out of here. You come in any closer. I'll, I'll let you have it. What the hell
5: are you yelling for, George?
7: Come on. George. George, Bert. Bert, do you know me? No, yeah. I've been looking all over town for you. Where you been? Hey, Bert. Bert. I'm alive again, Bert. You sure you're all right? Hey, your mouth's bleeding. It is. Hey, my mouth's bleeding. Bert, look at, look at the blood come out of there, would you? Uh, and... Where's Zuzu's Christmas bell, Bert. I had it right in my pocket. Here it is. Hey, it's in my pocket. What do you know about? Hey, Merry Christmas, Bert. Well, m- Merry Christmas.
5: Get in the car. I'll drive you home. You
7: will, Bert. We'll do that. I turn the siren wide open, huh? Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls. Hey, Merry Christmas, old building alone. Merry Christmas, Mister Potter. Yippee! Come on. Hey, Bert. Come on. Come on in with me, huh? What, what the, these people? These reporters? Hey, oh, 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 Merry Christmas, reporters! Hey, Mr. Bank Examiner, Merry Mr. Christmas! Mr. Bailey,
6: there's a deficit.
7: I know, eight thousand
6: dollars, I bet, huh? George, I've, I've got a little paper here. I'm oh, sorry. I, I
7: bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't that wonderful? Merry Christmas! Hey, where's Mary? You know? Uh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Shouldn't it wonder... Have you seen my wife? Where's Mary? Daddy, Mary,
2: Daddy, Mary, Daddy, Mary!
9: kids, hey kids, Janie,
7: Petey! hey, oh I could eat you up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you, Daddy, with Uncle Billy. Oh, yeah. Daddy. Zuzu, my little ginger snap. How do you feel, huh? Fine, Daddy. Not a snitch of temperature. Not a snitch of temper.
2: Hallelujah. George, George, darling, it's mommy. Mommy's home. Mary.
9: What is it? We can't open our eyes yet, Mary? What's going on here? Now, now keep your eyes closed. Now, I'll just walk you over here by the Christmas tree and... Well, the people, I hear lots of people. What what is it? Lots of people. Just one minute now.
11: We're all ready, Uncle Billy. Come in, everybody. George, look. Just look. Uncle Billy.
4: Money, George. A laundry basket filled with money. Money for you. Mary did it, George.
7: Mary. I don't understand. What money? What...
9: People heard you were in trouble, darling. These people, your friends, they've collected this money for you—the eight thousand dollars.
7: Charlie, hey, there's Mary. there's Martini, uh, Mr. Gower. Hey, how are you, Mr. Gower? Mrs. Thompson, Ed, Tom, everybody. Hey? None of us'd have a roof over our heads if it wasn't for you, George. Garth, oh, this is wonderful. Hey, Mary, look, look who's coming in, Mother. Hi, Mother. Hey, and Harry. Got Mary's telegram, George? I flew in as fast as hey, I could. Hey, everybody, a toast. How about a toast? Oh, good idea,
5: Ernie. A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man
3: in town.
2: Daddy, my sister's there. Here, honey,
9: here's your
3: bell. Daddy, Charlie, what's this on the
7: table here?
2: What's this for? <laughs>
7: The, uh, the Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Oh, Lord,
2: there's something written in it.
7: Dear George, remember no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings, love. Clarence.
9: Clarence?
7: Yeah, he's a very dear friend of mine.
9: Daddy, this is well said every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings.
7: That's right, Juju. That's right. That's right. Had a boy, Clarence. Had a boy, Clarence. Happy landing.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you for having
1: me. I know that all our fans are anxious to hear your story, and I'm hoping you can start at the beginning, how you first became a child actor and what your experience was in Hollywood.
11: Well, I started pretty early. My mother, uh, I was an only child, and she was a stage mom, and she gave me every lesson possible. I danced, I sang, I did drama, I started the piano when I was three, the violin when I was five. I did everything. She pushed me out there, and she got me an agent. And the agent liked me. She sent me on some interviews. And by golly, I got some parts. And that's how it all started. I was four years old when I started. I'd already done four movies before It's a Wonderful Life. So I was kind of a, a veteran by then. And it was just another job. Went to studio school all the time. Um, I had a, I, I really loved it. It was fun because every single set was different that I went on it was like a world of make-believe wherever I went every day I'd go out the door when I'd leave home I'd never know what I was getting into whether it would be a western or you know whether it'd be on horses or or there'd be fake snow or whatever because I really did love the fake snow from It's a Wonderful Life but I I was in the movies for um, quite a little while I did 16 films And I worked with some of the greatest movie legends of all time. I mean, Bing Crosby and Cary Grant, John Wayne, Gary Cooper, um, you know, Fred McMurray, a lot of the greats, really great movies. Another good movie for Christmas that I did was The Bishop's Wife with Cary Grant, David Devin, and Loretta Young. And I always have to watch that. Um, I watch it on Christmas Eve every year. I love that movie. It's, it's a, a sweet movie, and it's about Christmas, and, and it's really uh, got a lot of great messages in it, much like It's a Wonderful Life.
1: Do you remember, at, I mean, you were a child actor, and fortunately you have, you have film and a lot of photographs to help you remember, but I'm wondering what you do remember of some of those actors and some of those movie sets, what the surprises were, and how you got along with them.
11: You know, each movie was different, and, and I do remember because there were so many different activities that happened. Like, for instance, on the set of The Bishop's Wife, Cary Grant uh, would come and get me every day at lunchtime, and he would take me, and we. there was really an ice skating rink on the stage, and he would pull me around on a sled while he was practicing his ice skating every day at lunch. He was just a really nice guy. He read me stories, told me stories. Uh, I ju- I just really enjoyed working with him. I mean, every, every movie had pluses. I never really had a bad experience. It was all good. And um, whether that was just my luck or my mother made that happen, I don't know. But everyone I worked with, I enjoyed, and every person that that I met was very good to me. So. And, you know, there were a few stars that you were told, you know, nah, they don't like kids, so stay away from them. So that I I abided by. I was a very disciplined child, and I minded, and I did what I was told to do. Otherwise, you wouldn't make it very far in that business. So <laughs> that, uh, that helps a lot.
1: <laughs> what do you remember from uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Do you remember Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed and Frank Capra?
11: Oh, yes, I remember Mr. Capra very well. He used to get down on his knees and look us kids in the eye, you know, kind of eye level. So he'd be on our level, and he could tell us just exactly what he wanted us to do, how he wanted us to act. You know, we weren't reading at that time. And so what we had to memorize our lines. And, you know, if he changed it, that would be okay. We'd get it. It just was a – he was very um, he, natural. He let people be natural. He – he didn't make you stick to the script verbatim. If there was something that you wanted to say in a different way, but you got the point across, that was okay. And he, he didn't change it because he wanted people to act natural. He was, just a, he was a genius, I think. I mean, there's so many things in the movie that he put in there just uh, behind the scenes that you probably never thought about. Like, for instance, every time you see the blackbird fly in on Uncle Billy.
1: Mm-hmm.
11: Well, that means Mr. Potter's bearing down on the Bailey Building and Loan.
1: Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
11: And he put so many wonderful things in there that it just really made the movie great.
1: I, I found in my research that he had come up with the concept of the uh, snow made from fomite. Uh, and then, adding a lot of I think it was sugar and and water, he had six thousand gallons of that made into snow, and it was the most realistic movie snow to date that the movies had ever seen.
11: Well, the main ingredient was ivory soap flakes
1: oh okay <laughs> yeah,
11: so it was more of a mixture of fomite and ivory soap flakes, and uh it was well you notice you'll you'll notice when um George is pulling Clarence out of the water. Oh my goodness, there's such a huge soap film all over their faces, oh. and the, the snow was bubbling and going all around them, you know, the water is all sudsy. You'll notice it. It's there. <laughs> they were having a, an incredibly heat hot heat wave at the time we did the movie, and they did it in three months, which is, was record time, but it was very, very hot.
1: We had to, we had some fans uh, write into us with some questions for you, and one was: Do you remember anything specifically about Jimmy Stewart?
11: Tall, way tall. <laughs> <laughs> he was six feet four, and oh, wow. so you know, I, I'm on his back or in his arms all the time. It was pretty remarkable, actually, that. Uh, I, I didn't fall off because he was really, really tall and just as gentle and kind and sweet as could be. He really was a great man. He did, uh, in later years, He, I got out of Hollywood, and um, I kind of, well, I did lose contact with everybody I ever knew. And uh, so I was kind of in the middle of nowhere. Well, he in 1980, um, Mr. Stewart was getting questions from people asking him whatever happened to that kid. And so he had his secretary look me up, and she found me in the middle of Kansas, and that's kind of how we hooked up again, Mr. Stewart and I, and we saw each other after that.
1: Uh, Another question we got, are there today any surviving film locations?
11: Culver City Studios is where the movie was filmed. Mm Mm-hmm what's known as Culver Studios today. Back then it was RKO Pathé. But um, the Studio Ranch is no longer there. It's now a park called Balboa Park. And then there was also the Martini's House, which was real. And actually it's still there. It's in La Cunata, uh Flintridge area there. And so it's still there. And also the other place that they filmed was the... Uh Beverly Hills High School Gymnasium, one of the gymnasiums, where the pool scene was shot, where the f- floor opens up and there 's a pool mm-hmm. and that does still exist as well
1: okay. was it that happened uh I think you were twelve and you had a, a tragedy begin to strike your life, and could you kind of go through that and what happened?
11: well, uh when I was eight years old, my mother started getting sick and um Then she died when I was 14, and then my father got killed in an automobile accident when I was 15. So the court in Hollywood shipped me to a little town in Missouri, and that was more or less the end of my movie career (laughs) and anything else that had to do with Hollywood.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a long way from Hollywood, isn't it?
11: Yes, it is. It is indeed.
1: And what were your aunt and uncle like?
11: Well, it was my father's brother. And unfortunately, he had a really mean wife, and so it wasn't pleasant there in their home at all. It was not pleasant, but I survived, and I had a lot of wonderful friends. The whole town knew the situation I was in, and that's when I discovered the reality of real friendship and genuine caring people. That's what I found in the Midwest where I went to live. And so I never went back to Hollywood. My aunt cut off all my connections. And uh, so I decided that I would rather get an education and uh, do something else with my life. So I became a medical technician.
1: Regarding, regarding the other kids that were on the set, uh, when were you able to get back in touch with them and how did that happen?
11: The Target Company organized, uh, they, they had It's a Wonderful Life in their stores for Christmas in 1993. The theme was, It's a Wonderful Life. And so they got us all together, all the Bailey kids, and they sent us on a tour. They reunited us, and so we went on a tour all over the United States, and we had a wonderful time. That's when I really started hitting the road for the film, and I've been on the road ever since. <laughs> so, and then we had a reunion in Jimmy Stewart's hometown that year, And uh, it was pretty exciting to meet the people that, you know, that I had worked with years and years earlier. So it was cool. And um, the kids and I, we have have a wonderful bond now. And we're very, very close. There are five of us left that were in the movie, cast members. And little Janie, who played the piano, she's with us. And little Tommy, who burped. And young Violet Bick in the soda fountain scene. She's uh, Janine Ruth. She's she's still there. And then um, Harry Bailey's wife. Uh, she's still with us. And her name is Ruth Patton Moss. And uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm thinking Ru- Ruth Aiken Bailey. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, but um, she still. With us. she lives in um, Michigan, Ann Arbor.
2: Yeah.
1: Now yeah. I heard that uh, you were in. You've been in Seneca Falls a number of times.
11: I'm celebrating my 15th year of the It's a Wonderful Life Festival that was started several years ago, and this will be my 15th year of being a part of the festival. And then in 2010. I was a pretty integral part of starting the It's a Wonderful Life Museum that's located in Seneca Falls. I feel like Seneca Falls is kind of a second home to me.
1: Yeah. Does Seneca Falls remind you a lot of that movie set?
11: Yes, it does. The water that runs along Main Street, it it, it just does.
1: (laughs) Do you pretty much agree that uh, Capra most likely did visit Seneca Falls back in 1945 and that he had patterned the set? After pretty much after Seneca Falls,
11: yes, I do, I do believe that, and um there was a barber who had cut his hair, and he remembered cutting his hair and the re- and the reason he remembered was because his name in in this little town, there are the Italians and the non Italians, and the river or the canal that runs through it kind of separated the two. Way back when, he would have been there. And so the Italian segment was where he went over to get his hair cut. And, uh, and he met this barber. And the barber's name was Tommy Bellissimo, which means beautiful. And he always remembered cutting Frank's hair because Capra in Italian means goat. So he always <laughs> remembered cutting the goat's hair. And he didn't know who he was until a few weeks later he read in the paper that he was going to do this movie.
1: The whole theme of the movie is love. Friendship and love have helped you through a lot of rough spots. Would that be fair to say?
11: That would be fair to say, yes. But I also attribute that to a strong religious belief in God that there was a divine hand in all of it. (laughs) He uh, helped me through a lot, but... um, I think the main themes for this movie is about what George learns. And, you know, he goes through the unborn sequence and a lot of things happens to him. He didn't realize how he touched so many lives. We don't realize how many lives we touch. So when he's on that bridge and he wants to live again, he says, Please, God, please, God, I want to live again. Well, the minute he says the word God, it starts to snow, and you know he's back. hes He really did learn what really is important in life. And for me, I feel like what the movie is, says is that it's all about faith and family and friends. And I think that all comes together in the end. You see how beautiful that really can be. And I think that's what has made it last so long and will continue to be more popular through the ages because it's such a tradition in so many homes, not only in America, but also all over the world. It's become a real uh, Christmas tradition to show this film, and all the families enjoy being a part of that.
1: I think you're so right. Do you think movies today are not as good as movies were 40, 50, 60 years ago? Do you think movies have improved well, or gone the other way or, or really kind of in between?
11: I think they've gone the other way, but they're what people want to see. Um, I think that maybe the movie distributors kind of appeal to the, a different market than they used to. The standards are different, and so I think the people that watch the movies today think they're wonderful, but for those of us who find a better meaning and deeper meaning in movies of yesterday um, and delightful stories without nasty words and a lot of violence. You get that warm, ooey feeling, or you laugh your heart out. Uh, it could be done differently than it is today, but today it has to be in your face, and it's just a whole different kind of way of showing movies and telling stories. It's It's different. It's the only thing that the young people have grown up with and so that's the market that they appeal to when they make a movie every once in a while a good movie comes out what i've noticed is that the independent movies are the ones that seem to have more meat and remind you of the good movies in years past
1: and there there are some good independent movies that come up out there there it's a little <laughs> tough it's a little tougher for them to get the distribution but they're certainly great movies
11: yes I agree with that, very definitely.
1: Is there any movie trivia you'd like to share with our fans? Some little things that they can look for the next time they see it?
11: Well, when they watch the movie, uh, we always laugh about the magic wreath scene because when George takes the Christmas wreath and walks across the street and goes into the Bailey Building and Loan Office, he throws the wreath down on the desk. Well, the very next scene, he's talking to Harry on the phone, and that magic wreath is on his arm. That's a fun mistake. And then uh, uh, when Violet Bick comes to see him at the end, when um, they've discovered that the money's missing just right before that, when she's there and she needs money, she's going to go to New York, and she kisses him on the cheek. Well, he's got a pipe in his mouth when he's talking to her, and then the very next scene, the pipe isn't even around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one.
11: A lot of editing issues and fun stuff like that, which are fun to watch for, that's for sure.
1: Here's a question for you. How did you get the name Zuzu Ginger Snaps?
11: Well, Zuzu Ginger Snap was a product made by the National Biscuit Company in the early 1900s, which today is Nabisco. And uh, it was a little, it was a cookie, and, and the, the advertising boxes had a little uh, blonde clown, female clown on the, on the covers of the boxes and all over. And so when George comes back from his unborn sequence, he runs up the stairs, and he's so happy to see his kids. And I come out my door, and I say, Daddy! And he says, Zuzu, my little ginger
1: how does it feel owning one of the greatest lines in movie history?
11: I think, uh, you know, I talk to a lot of children and kids and you know, that kind of thing. And people say, you know, you were in in one of the greatest movies of all time. And how's that feel? And I, and I feel like it's, it's a, a privilege to be a part of that movie. It's an honor to be remembered as that little girl who said that line in such a fabulous movie. I'm I'm honored and I'm privileged that I had the opportunity to be that little girl. And really and truly that movie will it transcends time. It's going to be here a long time more and it's been here a long time and it it really applies to yesterday, today and tomorrow. So you know, people can say, Well, you know, you're a movie star. No, I'm not a movie star. I was in very few films. There's a lot of people who are in a lot more movies than I was, but I am a piece of film history and that I can that I will always be because of that film. And I feel very privileged to be a part of movie history.
1: Well, we're very privileged too that you have shared this time with us and these special memories that you have. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it.
11: Well, thank you. And um, I hope everyone takes the opportunity to watch the movie again this year and put yourself in that spirit for another year of rejuvenation of faith and hope and, and just feel good. And uh, I have so many friends and so many fans who say that, they watch that movie, not only at Christmas, but during the rest of the year sometimes when they get down and low because each one of us matters. We all make a, a difference in others' lives. And and we we really do matter. That's what people need to realize every once in a while because you forget that. You get caught up in your little worlds and they get really small and, and you forget the big picture. But in the big picture... That money meant nothing to George after he was back. He didn't care if he was going to jail. He just knew that he had his family. He had love, not tangible things. He had this wonderful love, and how wonderful is it that we have our families and that we have the opportunity to be together? You know, a lot of people go through a lot of rough times, and I certainly have over my lifetime, but... There's are still good in every bad situation. Sometimes you have to look for it, but it's there.
1: <laughs> well said. I was going to okay. ask you, too, um, one more thought came to my mind, and here's a question for you. Do you believe in angels?
11: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and believe it or not, people have been sending me angels for years. <laughs> I have many, many, many angels. <laughs>
1: I believe in him, too. And I also believe in the in the better angels in uh, in those of us who are living as well. Thank I think so. You, thank you so much. <laughs> it's been a pleasure.
11: Thank you. Okay. And Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Thank
11: you. Bye-bye.
1: wishing you a happy and healthy holiday from 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. Safe travels, everyone!